Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring you new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement those into your business. The Power Your Advice podcast is brought to you by iris.xyz, the most helpful place advisors can come to to grow their minds and businesses. This is your host, Doug Heikinen. And our guest today is Bill Atchison, who is the body language expert. Bill, hello. Hello. How are you, Doug? How have things been going for you the past couple of months? It has been interesting. As a conference speaker, my business has dropped off dramatically. And as an expert in body language, analyzing handshakes and things that happen in first impressions, it's dropped off even farther. So I've looked at video conferencing as a specialty and how we project personal power in that format. Hopefully, I'll be able to provide our listeners with a few tips. Well, we got a lot of power going on today. In, in fact, we hear the word power quite a bit in the business world. What do you mean when you use the word power? You know, I define power as the ability to get things done. It's that basic and that simple. There's no mystery about it. It is the product of precise focus and hard work. Now, personal power is your ability to project that quality that you have the ability to get things done. Personal power is a nuanced form of expression that tells people in the room that you stand out from everybody else. In video conferencing, it encompasses a wide range of subtle distinctions that project confidence, competence, and self-assuredness. It's part behavior, part appearance, it covers all three elements. You seem pretty straightforward in the description of what you mean by personal power, but I'm not sure everybody sees it so clearly. Um, What do you think so many people have a hard time with the concept of personal power? You know, that's a great question, Doug, because being an expert in nonverbal communication, I have read juries. I have worked with the National Football League. I've worked with the U.S. Coast Guard on drug interdiction. We're looking at subtle tips that communicate information about a person. They don't even know they're projecting. And I think personal power falls into that category. You don't really think about it, but you cannot project personal power verbally. I can't walk into a meeting and say, I'm Bill Atchison. I'm a very powerful man. I'll admit, I've tried it. It doesn't work. We project personal power through nonverbal communication. It is how it is projected, literally, on how you control that environment, appearance factors. But more than anything else, it is the way you behave. It's your body language. So what things should people be doing to project greater personal power on the internet? Because it's what we're all doing right now. That is exactly where we are. And that's, that's been my focus for the last two months. I've been researching the arena. I've spoken to people who are experts in various fields. So let me share with you a little bit about starting with the environment, the space around you. In video conferencing, the space around you takes takes on far more significance because it's in your personal space. The background message in a conference room isn't about you, it's about the workplace, but the background message in a video conference is all about you. 
a crowded, busy background tells me something about your personal power because it's a commentary on your organizing skills. When you manage the space behind you on electronic media, you are critically presenting yourself in a successful way for video conferencing. You should avoid open spaces. I've seen the unmade beds, the kids walking past the open doorway. We've all seen this. You'd like to have, the ideal would be to have a solid wall behind you. And while a bookcase may seem like a great backdrop, it's a distraction because while you're speaking, people are straining to see what you've been reading. Family photos I find to be a bit distracting. They can create glare, they can create other issues. You're inviting distractions into the meeting. Looking at, I think there's a great tool for learning how this works, and that's to look at local and national news reports on television. Within seconds, you'll find yourself passing judgment on the quality of the image when you've got these people speaking from their homes. It's just what we do. Now, the ideal background would be a light green or a light blue wall that is painted with flat paint, not glossy. So we're looking at negative space here. Light green is my preference, and I'll tell you why. Because the number one highest rated shirt for a gentleman is a blue button-down collared shirt with long sleeves. If you have a light blue wall, it's going to bleed and disappear into the wall. So a light green background, light blue works very well for almost every other color. Green we associate, believe it or not, with balance. Light blue is associated with intelligence. These are research findings. This is not my opinion. Um, you should have something behind you. It could be a low wattage lamp or an unlit lamp, something that gives you a little bit of texture. You want to provide perspective, but you don't want to be competing with anything that is in your space. This is so interesting because as you watch anything from ESPN to the news to what's going on and people are zooming from their homes, I'm always so interested to what they have behind them. And from what you're saying, I'm so much interested in what they have going on behind them that I'm not paying attention to them. Very often that happens, Doug. I, I, I will give Kurt Warner a pass because he's got a Super Bowl trophy and a most valuable player trophy in the background. But think about it. Those are very simple objects. They have meaning because of the individual who's there. I look at other people and they've got seven or eight family photos. They've got a picture of the dog. They always have a plant because they want that kind of texture. There are a number of suggestions I could make, but why don't we take a moment to focus on some things that need to be considered. I wear glasses and the great bulk of people who are doing this kind of video conferencing have also found that working with a pair of glasses on can be distracting. Any, almost any light is going to shine on your glasses. And I've talked to a videographer about this. Nick Patizan is an award-winning videographer who's a personal friend. He lives in the Pittsburgh area. And he taught me this little trick. He said, have you ever tried light bouncing? Light bouncing? Are yeah. you kidding me? What is that? Exactly. Light bouncing is taking a directional lamp and turning it away from you. He finds it's far more successful to bounce light off that light green or light blue wall, for example. You, what you get is 80% of the wattage, but none of the glare. 
So he doesn't want a light overhead at any given time. Natural light works well, but it's difficult to control because you're doing things at different times of the day. So he's using light bouncing. He's taking directional lamps, like a regular desk lamp, turning it to the side and bouncing it off a wall in order to make a better image. Uh, some other tools that I've learned from Nick, this is a simple one, and it never occurred to me. Dim the computer screen. You are probably sitting in front of a computer and we tend to put it at 70 to 80% brightness. That's going to reflect on you. His advice is to keep it at 50% brightness or slightly below, again, so that it doesn't create glare on your face. Not a bad suggestion. No. And I've done it, I've looked at it with my Photoshop. It's absolutely on the money. So the key question about managing personal power is, Typically environment. If you haven't got that one figured out, you're in trouble. We all know that we should be centered on a computer screen when we're doing something within a meeting format. But ideally, you would want to film from the waist up if it's at all possible, because that way gestures are seen fully and they don't come across the screen as darting movements of hands. If you cannot videotape from the waist up, then what you want to do is focus on head and shoulders and make special care to minimize your gestures so they don't become a distraction. Another one that Nick taught me, your image should never take up more than half the screen. I thought, well, that's kind of silly, but he's absolutely right. Again, I've looked at it. I've watched the news broadcasters. It should be 40% of the screen would be ideal. It should be a little more possibly, but never more than half. You have to allow that background to create texture because that's what highlights you as a speaker. And we're talking about power video conferencing. You want to project personal power. You want that color contrast from soft to dark. You're the darkest image in the, in the picture typically. And you also want that texture with a lamp behind you or something. If your face fills 70 or 80% of the screen, people will scrutinize it dramatically rather than looking at you in context with the room about you. They just look at you and say, that nose looks a little bit large there, Bill. Uh, bad enough to see something like that. We're now seeing, because of the COVID and the social distancing experiencing, we're now starting to see what I have called COVID hair. COVID hair is that as people get farther and farther away from their normal haircutting routines, <laughs> we're starting to see a little bit of raggedness. And so you really want to take extra care with that when you're doing something in front of a camera. Speaking of appearance, um, if you wear a suit in the workplace, should you be wearing a suit on the Internet? You know, it's interesting you should ask that question. I don't believe that you should. There are no widely accepted rules, but let's think about this for a minute. In a video conference, I'm inviting you into my, into my home. You're in my office, my home office, and you're now operating under a different set of rules. I do believe that business casual attire is acceptable. Now, the problem with business casual is that it's an oxymoron, you know, a pairing of contradictory terms like jumbo shrimp or constant change. The problem in the United States, for example, is we tend to focus on the casual component of business casual. That's a mistake. We should focus on the business 
half of that oxymoron. So you should always wear a collared shirt or blouse with long sleeves. You could wear a polo shirt, but you should wear a jacket or, or something over it. The ideal here is that you don't have your arms exposed. That's a little bit too informal. So wear khakis, dress pants, or if it's a female, she should wear a skirt in case the situation demands that you stand up. You know, an intrusion, and we've all seen them. We've seen them in news broadcasts. We've seen them in Zoom meetings. When an intrusion occurs, when a small child or a dog pops into the room, that's when you have an opportunity to dramatically assert your personal power. Instead of bending and looking embarrassed and racing to get the child out of the room, what you do is you smile, you look back, you look at the screen and say, I'm going to introduce you to my three-year-old. You say, this is Douglas, and you pick him up and you say, I'm going to probably put him in another room now so we can continue with the meeting. Please give me a moment. You apologize, you depart, you come back. Personal power is about controlling your emotional state. And if you get an intrusion, that is the best opportunity for you to assert power, believe it or not. Just the opposite of what most people would expect. Wow. What's the big difference between a meeting in the conference room and a meeting online? Or to put it a different way, what's the big difference between a live meeting and live streaming? You know, it's that's a grand question. I've really had to spend a lot of time to think about it. As an expert in body language, I'm typically looking at what people do, how they appear. I'm listening because body language actually includes vocalics or voice differences. Um, what I see as the difference between a live meeting and live streaming is like the difference between looking at a statue in a museum or looking at a picture of a statue in a museum. We don't think about it because we're quite intrigued to have so many people visiting us in our homes, but you're moving from a three-dimensional format in a live meeting to a two-dimensional format in a video conference situation. It isn't the same as eating a meal in a fine restaurant and then looking at a video of eating a meal in a fine restaurant, but it's close. The nutritional value is just not there. So we have to do something to compensate. I've had people challenge me, is a video conference that different? Well, it may be. You're 16 inches tall, for example, that might be a difference. And while you have control over the environment and your role in the environment, you have very little control over other people in the meeting. We've all been there. There are people texting on their phones, there are people doing other things, there are some people filing their nails. It's amazing, and you are not in a situation to do a whole lot about it. The objective here would be to manage your time. So I'm going to go, you know, kind of an interesting experience I had when I was a professor at the University of Pittsburgh. So I visited the Artificial Intelligence Center at Carnegie Mellon University. Artificial intelligence was invented at Carnegie Mellon over 50 years ago, and they have had one rule during that entire time. They have determined from their research that at about the 45-minute mark, the quality of intelligence in a meeting drops precipitously. I've always tried to remember that guideline when I'm conducting a meeting. You should start with an objective. You should have an agenda. If necessary, in a video conference, you may need a set of easy to follow rules, and then you need a specific plan for follow-up. But as a 
efficiently as you can do it, you need to move this meeting along, get it going, and accomplish your goal. What's the best single bit of advice for projecting personal power in a WebEx or Zoom meeting? You know, there's so much to consider, and we haven't actually talked about the body language aspect. So let's consider some rules regarding body language and projecting personal power. It's encapsulated in one simple rule, and I'll repeat it because for most people, this is going to come as a bit of a surprise. Here's the rule. Movement and power are inversely related. Movement and power are inversely related. Doug, if you and I were visiting in an office and someone came in and said, there's a fire in the building, we have to get out, and we didn't know our way around, we'd be in a bit of a quandary. Which person would we be more likely to follow? The person who was throwing his arms up in the air and screaming, we got to get out of here, we got to move? Or would we look at the person who showed a controlled reaction to that announcement and said, we've got a plan for exiting the building, please follow me? I think it's abundantly clear who's projecting personal power in that setting. Controlling your emotions is critical. Movement and power are inversely related. So in a meeting when somebody's clicking a pen or fidgeting with paper, you're losing your personal power. You'll want to be in control at all times. And it is ironic, but the less you move, the more power you typically project. So are you saying that the key, one of the key components to projecting personal power is about connecting with others? Am I right? I think so. You know, personal power, many people confuse power with domination or power with manipulation. Power is not a game. Projecting personal power is, in a very real way, how we attract loyalty in other people. The bottom layers of every organization are full of highly intelligent, otherwise talented people who do not know how to project personal power. And because they don't, they remain unnoticed and unheard. When you project personal power, people are naturally attracted to you. They're more willing to listen to what you have to say. They're certainly more inclined to consider and agree with your point of view. The object behind personal power is not looking superior or distinguishing yourself from others. It's looking approachable and looking as though you do, in fact, have the ability to accomplish something. And I'd like to be a part of that adventure. That is personal power. Any last thoughts? Well, I'll leave you with this consideration. Uh, real power is about character. And I define character as core values that are based upon principle rather than impulse. It is not about personality. It is certainly not about celebrity. Years ago, I read a book by Stephen Covey, which was entitled Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. And I had the opportunity to work with Cubby because as a conference speaker, I've had the opportunity to rub elbows with some pretty well-known authors. He was certainly one of the first that I worked with. He talked about the difference between character and personality in leaders. For him, character was about those core values that do not change because they're based upon solid principles. And he identified things like honesty, integrity, accountability, courage, perseverance, discipline. You can depend on people who have these traits. Personality is a very different set of experiences. 
He defined the term personality to talk about a mindset that shifts with the tides, to take advantage of any opportunity for self-advancement, regardless of its impact on other people. You can't depend on people who change their approach to accommodate the specific circumstances they're facing at the moment. The people we trust, the people we rely on, are those people who project their values with their behavior. In a video conference, you're inviting people into your home where every element of the meeting is particularly revealing. Preparation, positioning, and presentation. Those are the keys to projecting personal power in a video conference. As I said at the start of our meeting, in a video conference, it's all about you. Bill, this was so interesting. I certainly learned a lot of things that I need to improve on in video conferencing. For those who are interested in connecting with you, how does one find you? I am all over the internet. There's little doubt about that. My website is at, just Google Bill Atchison and you can find me there and get information because I'm blogging every week about this kind of thing and spending some time. In fact, I have a blog called Who's Zooming Who? And if you're old enough to remember that hit by Aretha Franklin, you'll have a big smile because you get a direct link to the song, and it's a doozy. Uh, but I'm talking about video conferencing in some of those blogs, and that might be helpful for some of your listeners. Well, we certainly appreciated you joining with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Deb. For everybody at Iris Media Works, our producer, Jakey Beard, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikinen. Take care.